Hey everybody, great to share some thoughts with you on our weekly podcast. This is week three in our Moments with God series where we're exploring how we can grow closer to God in prayer and intimacy. In week one, we looked at why prayer. In week two, at the prayer of adoration and praise. And this week, we're looking at the prayer of petition. Those prayers, probably the most common prayers that we pray, when we're basically saying, God, help us, God, intervene. I don't know if you saw that last month there was an inspirational story circulating about a family who were hugely touched when they realised that their delivery driver prayed for their eight-month baby son, Lucas, who was battling with a heart condition. In the midst of COVID-19, the family were dependent on supplies being delivered to their home, and so they leave a note on the door for all delivery drivers to say that the baby food is essential as their baby is sick. When Monica Salinas turned up that day to deliver their supplies, she saw the note and rather than just walk away and leave the things on the doorstep, she stopped, bowed her head and prayed for baby Lucas. The mother and dad, Raquel and Derek Pearson, saw Monica on their doorbell video as she dropped the food off, but then they wondered what she was doing as she stood there with her eyes closed and her head bowed. It wasn't until they saw her make the sign of the cross that they realised that she was praying. And they were so touched by what she did that they went to her employees and they literally sought her out. They publicly thanked her and her story literally has gone viral throughout social media all over the world. It's a reminder that people are longing for prayer, petitioning prayer. It's so powerful in its multiple effects. Uh, on Sunday Just Gone, on Zio Live Online, I shared an initial thought about petition prayer. I talked about a prayer that heaven will always say yes to. And that is the prayer where we ask God to change us even more than our circumstances. Change us even more than our circumstances. And we look briefly at this incredible story in Acts chapter 4, which I want to return to now, recap, and then go deeper as we explore more about the prayer of petition. So let me recap this Acts chapter 4 moment, just in case you missed my introduction to it on Sunday. So we step into this early church story in Acts chapter 4. Uh, the risen Jesus has returned to heaven. The Holy Spirit has been sent to fill the church with power to continue the work of Jesus in the world. And that power is quickly evidenced in an incident in Acts chapter 3, where one of Jesus' disciples, Peter, prays for a beggar who's been unable to walk since birth. And the man is instantly healed. He, he's literally dancing in the street. He's walking and leaping and praising God, if you're old enough like me to remember old cheesy old song we used to sing in Sunday school. Unsurprisingly, through this miracle, a shocked crowd gathers and Peter goes on to tell them that it wasn't them that did this miracle. It was the power of Jesus Christ that brought miraculous healing to this broken man. Now, this, of course, infuriates the temple priests who then arrest Peter and John and demand that they stop speaking about this Jesus person. Stop saying that Jesus is the Messiah. Stop saying that Jesus is God. Stop saying that Jesus was raised from the dead and stop saying that Jesus offers forgiveness and healing for all. Like, just stop it, they say. 
And Peter and John kind of go on like, oh, we can't help but speak about this God. We, we're like, we're going to obey Jesus. We're not going to obey you. And which obviously infuriates them even more. And so they threaten Peter and John. They bully them, intimidate them, try to scare and frighten them. That's literally all of the meanings behind the Greek word that says to threaten. They really want to scare them. It's, it's like they're saying, if you don't stop speaking about this Jesus guy, you better watch your back. Because you know what happened to him and it might just happen to you. You just might find that your life is going to come to an untimely, brutal end as well. And anyway, they don't know what to do with them. So they let Peter and John go. And Peter and John head off and they go and they meet all the other believers who are gathered in someone's house. And they tell them all that's just happened. And this is what happens next in Acts chapter 4 verse 23. And it's going to show us this journey that they go on through the stages or movements of petitioning prayer, healthy petitioning prayer. And so let's just walk through it. This is verse 23. It says, as soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. Now, this is always the starting point of petitioning prayer, the recognition we have a problem. That's what they're doing. They're literally arriving back and saying, guys, we have got a problem. They are threatening our lives. The trigger for any petitioning prayer is, of course, the recognition that there is a problem being faced. And I wonder in this moment what problems you're facing right now. We're all experiencing problems. Some of us have got problems in common. Uh, the, the implications from all of us at the moment on COVID-19, we can't hug, we can't visit certain people, we can't connect with people. And some of us have got more individual specific problems. Maybe we are genuinely struggling with health issues, relationship issues, finance issues. We, we all no doubt are facing problems in this moment. No one is ever, in my experiencing, enjoying a problem-free life. And so the starting point of position, petitioning prayer is the humble recognition that we do have a problem. And, and that might seem like an obvious thing to say, but but, but part of the issue here is, is that a lot of the time when we recognize we've got a problem, the first thing we do is try and fix it ourselves. We, we try and turn to anything and anyone before turning to God. Rather than God becoming a last resort, he should be our first port of call. And yet often that's not the case because that's what happens here. They, they kind of own the fact that there's a problem. They own the fact that this is difficult. There's not a sense that they're you know, rejoicing. This is wonderful news. No, they've got a problem here. And this problem is pretty serious. But notice, secondly, that the problem drives them to prayer. They, they immediately turn to God. They don't try to fix this themselves, but they turn to God. And so in verse 24, it says, when they heard the report, all the other disciples who hear this story from Peter and John, it says, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. The problem drove them to prayer. And you know what's interesting, even in this little verse, this phrase lifted their voices, it, it literally means they prayed aloud. You know, they're, they're absolutely, friends, there's a time for silent, reflective, contemplative prayer. But there are all also moments of petition when we cannot but help cry out to God. They lifted their voices. They spoke out loud. They, they knocked on heaven's door. And in fact, what's interesting, this word lifted carries a sense that they didn't just lift their voice 
voices, but they lifted the problem to God. They raised it before God. Imagine like with open hands, they, they, they held this problem in their hands and they lifted it to God and said, God, we turn to you to take this problem from us. A problem that drives us to prayer. And notice that it says they did this together. All the believers lifted their voices together. They prayed in unity. And time and time again throughout the Old and New Testament, we see the power of unity. Jesus himself speaks about there's something extra supernatural released from heaven when two or three or more people pray and agree together with one heart, one mind, one passion. In fact, in the book of Acts alone, the original Greek word for together, which sometimes you'll read as in one accord, in unity, features over 10 times. In fact, it's exactly 11 times it appears uh, to be more specific. And when you see it happen, it's always at a significant moment. The togetherness sparks a significant moment of heaven breaking out. And so this is a, an important reminder that whenever we face a problem, first of all, we share it with God, but we do share it with others. Like, you know, I, I just want to encourage you that if you're going through a tough time, I know sometimes we're worried. I don't want other people to know about my problem, but, but I would encourage you, get people you trust to pray, get Zio to pray, get as much prayer firepower as you can behind the problems you face. A problem should drive us to prayer. But then look at how they pray. They don't start with the problem, but they start by recognizing, this is point number three, who is the ultimate problem solver. And verse 24, they pray this. This is how they start. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. So their prayer starts not by looking at the problem, by looking at God. And this phrase, sovereign Lord, it speaks about one who has unquestionable power, the God who created and sustains life, the God of the impossible, the God without whom none of us would even exist. And so we get this contrast of saying, look, we have a problem and it's a big problem, but we have an even bigger God. Jesus said himself that faith the size of a mustard seed can move mountains. But the problem, if, if we're honest, is too often we focus on the mountain rather than the God who can shift the mountain, even if our faith is as small as a mustard seed, which, by the way, is tiny. We are the ones who focus on the one who made the mountains, not the mountains themselves. And, and so a problem leads us to prayer and prayer draws us close and, and focuses our gaze onto the one who is the ultimate problem solver. He is the sovereign Lord, the one for whom nothing is impossible. Nothing is a surprise to him. It's not that God created all the issues in the world. Far from it. God hates people to suffer, but we live in a broken world where suffering is a reality. It's not the way it should be, but because of creation, us rebelling against God, there is suffering and sickness and trouble in the world. But we turn to the gods for whom has the power to shift things and change things. A problem leads us to prayer. Prayer turns our attention to the ultimate problem solver for whom nothing is impossible. And as we're about to see, when we focus on God, then the ultimate problem solver, we discover that the problem solver gives us a fresh perspective on the problem. 
Because look at how the disciples continue to pray. It's like they suddenly have a moment when they look back through history, both ancient and modern history, verses 25 to 28 of Acts 4. They say this. God, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor, King David, your servant, saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepare for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very city for Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate the governor, the Gentiles and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant whom you appointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. Like check the perspective that they get on the problem that they're facing. And what is it? It's simply this. They are saying to God, although really they're saying to themselves, this problem, there's nothing new here. This is a problem God's people have always faced. And so they reflect hundreds of years ago, King David recognised that there were people who always were threatening and intimidating and wanting to go to war against God's people. They look back on their ancient history and they recognise generation to generation have faced the same problem that we face today and God brought them through. And then they reflect on their modern history, what's literally happened in the past few months. They reflect that what they're experiencing is what Jesus himself experienced. He was persecuted, tortured, executed. But Jesus didn't fear death. He faced death. And three days later, he defeated it. God brought his son Jesus through the persecution he faced, even death itself. Why would he not do the same for us? So they get this amazing perspective that God is so powerful, that God is still at work in the midst of all the problems. And they flip it knowing that that God is able to to flip the trouble into something incredible, do something breathtakingly amazing. Our problems lead us to prayer. Prayer draws us close to the ultimate problem solver. The ultimate problem solver gives us his perspective on our problems. And what does that do? Fourthly, it fuels our passion to push through the problem which is why they then finally turn to praying to the problem, verses 29 to 30. And now, O Lord, they say, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Like God's perspective has given them a passion to keep pushing through and not give up. I said last Sunday that they ultimately they pray the kind of prayer that heaven will always say yes to because their prayer is ultimately, God, would you change us? Give us boldness. Give us courage. Would you work powerfully and miraculously and supernaturally through us? Let's really give the enemy something to be upset about. And not just the human enemy, but ultimately the enemy of our souls, Satan himself. May Satan be really ticked off when every morning we get up and we see the works of God's kingdom break out in and through our lives. Miracles, healing, supernatural salvation, freedom breaking out. You know, when the tough stuff happens, as it always does, sometimes we can give the enemy too much airtime, too much credit, too much glory rather than giving God the glory because we know he can equip us and enable us to overcome whatever that might look like. 
And that's what the disciples did in this moment. They turned to God and they, they have this commitment to keep pushing through and they pray for that determination, that pushing through of boldness and courage. And then what happens after this? Verse 31, it says, after they prayed this, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they preached the word of God with boldness. Notice what happened. Their prayer was answered. They prayed for boldness. The meeting place was shook. They were all filled afresh with the spirit and their prayer was answered because they preached with great boldness. And if you continue to look at what happens in the rest of the book of Acts, it is amazing. Even in the face of death and martyrdom and imprisonment and so many other forms of suffering that they experience, it's this kind of praying that they experienced in the early days of the new life of the early church that enable them to persevere through. Like they're pushing through released new possibilities from heaven. Rather than keeping them back, this problem propelled them forward into bigger kingdom adventures. There were more people coming to faith, more people being healed, more people being fed, more people being raised from the dead, more people being delivered from demonic oppression, more towns, cities, even nations reached with the good news of Jesus Christ as a result of this petitioning prayer. Let me highlight these things again for you. Number one, our problems lead us to prayer. Let's turn to God and invite others to pray with us. Secondly, prayer draws us closer, draws our attention to the ultimate problem solver, our Lord God himself revealed in Jesus. Thirdly, the ultimate problem solver, as we draw close to him, gives us his perspective on our problems. Number four, that perspective then can fuel our passion to keep pushing through in prayer against the problem. And number five, that pushing through releases new possibilities from heaven and propels us into new God, God adventures. That's the story of Acts chapter 4. That's the story of the book of Acts. That's the story of the early church in the whole of the New Testament. That's the story of 2,000 years of history that we are still playing our part in God's amazing unfolding story. We're invited into these kind of moments and these kind of prayers. I love what Charles Spurgeon once said, a little faith will take you to heaven, but I pray for the kind of faith that will bring heaven to earth, that will bring heaven to earth. I, I, I wanna close this time as you think about this by just building some faith, by just sharing just uh, a couple of experiences myself, personal experiences of petitioning prayer, uh, some long, uh, some less long, but seeing God move in, in crazy ways. I, I have some friends who aren't Christians. I've only known them uh, over the last three or four years. And I remember the first time that I, I went round uh, their house and I was talking uh, to the guy and, um, and he started to tell me that years and years ago uh, he had gone to a clairvoyant, like a medium. His boss had encouraged him to do that. Um, he was suffering from anxiety and apparently this medium literally worked for businesses to help businesses, chief executives and other people. And, and, uh, and at first my friend was like, I'm not going to do that. That's just kind of too weird. But eventually, because of some of the emotional issues he was contending with, he was just like, okay, I'll give this a go. 
And so he went to go and see this lady, I think she was, and uh, and actually he found it quite profound that she seemed to know things about him, and and um, and then she recorded some thoughts over him and stuff over his future, and um, and and he was impacted by it, and and he he had them literally on a on a tape, and uh, on a recording rather, and 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 he would regularly listen to it, and that had been a few years, and he'd he'd been. Um, He'd been back to, I think, you know, once uh, since then. And um, and the reason that he got into telling me about this story is because prior to him telling me the story, he was sharing how now and again, over a period of time, they'd had some very weird things happen around their house. Uh, it was a family of four, mum, dad and two kids. And uh, he would talk about sometimes like, you know, it seemed like faces at the outside windows at night and they'd look and then there was no one there and... and um, and lights turning on unexplained, you know, after they'd gone to bed. Or there was one time he's, he said that he and his wife were in bed and, and they literally heard pots and pans clanging downstairs and, and um, you know, ran downstairs thinking the kids were mucking around and no one there. Now, of course, like when I'm listening to this, I'm, I'm thinking like this, this is, this is not good. This is, this, this is not of heaven, I'm sure. And so I, I literally asked him, like, have, have you ever... Um, connected with anything occultish or clairvoyant or you know Ouija boards or tarot cards, any of those kind of things, because I believe that those are doorway. I mean, I didn't say this to him directly, but these can be doorways to um, uh, to demonic activity. And I didn't say that to him initially at the time, but I just said, like, have you, you know, have you? Because sometimes you know those stuff can can stick. And that's when he told me his story about the clairvoyant and that he had this tape and. And but obviously he was upset by these weird experiences that were having around his house, and so so I just said to him, "Look, I don't want to freak you out or anything, but um, but um, but in my honest opinion, like some of that stuff's you know is is it's not good. I, you know, I believe there's a spirit world and, and there's some unhealthy stuff, and if it really bothers you, then in my opinion, um, I want to suggest two things. Firstly, I want to suggest literally after I've gone, you get rid of that tape, like burn it, get rid of it, whatever it takes." And secondly, if, if it's not going to freak you out too much, I want to pray. And we can pray with our eyes open. And um, and and so he was like, well, are you sure you think so? And I was like, yeah. So so he agreed to do that. And I just said prayer, literally a simple prayer with mustard seed faith. And I, and I just said something like, God, Jesus, we know that you're a God of peace. And we just take authority. If there's anything, any any darkness, any spirit that's unhealthy, that's connected to this house or family, we just command it to leave and be broken in the name of Jesus. Amen. Just something really, you know, I mean, obviously he's still a bit freaky, but just trying to keep it as low-key as possible. And uh, he said thanks, and we chatted a bit more, and then later I left. And about a week or so later, um, I, I caught up with him again, and he said that, um, uh, and I asked him what had happened. He said, well, before I tell you what's happened, um, he said, like, when my wife got home, I told her about the conversation, and, and she said to me, um, you know, perhaps if... Uh, you're going to get rid of that tape. I should get rid of my crystals. And so she talked about, she'd met this person and, and said like, you know, you need all these crystals because they'll kind of bring good luck and, and they will bring different powers and influence into different parts of, you know, the family life and all that kind of stuff. And so I think she had different crystals in different rooms and all that kind of stuff. And so, so then he tells me that they, they literally gather all these crystals and they, and they gather this, this, this recording, this tape, and um, and they and they walk down the street. They don't even put it in their own bin, and, and they bin it, and they come back, and and it's never happened 
again. You know, all of those weird things that are happening around the house have never happened again. Uh, which, of course, they think is weird. But I'm saying, for me, it's not weird. It's We believe in a God who answers prayers, a God who brings light into darkness, and that there is no authority, no spirit, that can stand against the the name of Jesus and stuff, and so so there is just like one example, you know, when the the uh, the disciples talk about you know the demonic has to flee, you know, the simple prayer and the simple action as well, this cooperation of action and prayer, action and prayer that cooperates with heaven, and um, and something happens, and I continue to pray for them as they go on their own spiritual journey of spiritual awakening to the Jesus who I believe answered that prayer and brought freedom to their home and set them free from some of those things. Uh, I want to tell you another story um, uh, as well about 18 years ago when I when I first joined Crusaders, the National Youth and Children's Ministry, and um, and in the first year, like like we we had uh, a really really tough first financial year. The, the organisation was 94 years old, but finances were hugely tight, and they were so tight that we we looked like we were going to make a pretty big deficit, maybe a 30,000 pound deficit, and. Um, and probably I had some ego in there just thinking like, God, I just can't believe my first year working for Crusaders. Um, you know, I'm going to, as the chief exec, I'm gonna, we're going to make a deficit. And uh, and so, you know, you, I said you get practical and you get prayerful. And so we trimmed our belt. We cut some things and, and uh, tried to do the best we could to raise income, but also just put a hold on expenditure. And I, I even remember one of our graphics designers coming to speak to me and just asking if he could buy a portable CD-ROM writer. Now, remember, this is this is 20 years ago before they were built into computers and before now you don't even need them anymore. But, um, uh, you know, he, he would basically store all of his graphic designs on, on CDs. And uh, this was going to cost about 250 quid. Um, and I said to him, I said, I'm really sorry, Matthew. I said, like, you know, we're saving money. We can't even afford to do that. And I remember he walked out the room and I just felt like, oh, God, this is, this is mad. Like... This is not what I kind of signed up for. And so I, um, I I got home. That was a Friday. got home. And uh, the following morning on the Saturday, I had to pop into town, do a bit of shopping. I, I'd missed some post um, from the post uh, man. And so I had one of those cars that go to the post office and pick up some stuff. And so do my errands. And I remember walking to the, to the post office to collect this parcel that I'd missed. And I'm literally walking and I'm saying, God, I just can't believe that, you know, we're going to make a deficit and, uh, you know, already the charity is in trouble and, you know, I can't believe this, can't even afford a CD-ROM writer. And, uh, and I arrive, I pick up this box and uh, I've got no idea what it is. And I get into my car and I open it and you've guessed it. It was a brand new CD-ROM writer. And here's the weird thing. It was from a guy who I used to work with at T-Mobile. Um, which was the job I was in before I came to uh, Crusaders, who was not a Christian. He was a good friend, but he wasn't a Christian. And for no reason that he can explain, even to this day, he suddenly felt the urge to buy me a brand new CD-ROM writer. And of course, in that moment, as I was sitting in the car, staring at the CD-ROM writer, it was like I felt heaven rush in and just saying, like, it was like God was saying, Matt, I've got you. Like, I've got you. Don't need to worry. I, I know the longing of your heart. Like Jesus said, like, even before we ask, God knows he goes before us. And, and here's the thing. Like, actually, that year, we, we still made a 30 grand deficit. And we made bigger deficits in other years. Not every year, you'll be pleased to know. Otherwise, Crusaders wouldn't exist. But God just taught me a lesson that 
whether things look bleak or not, that if we're real with him, as we bring our problems to him, that again, he's the ultimate problem solver. And the problem solver gives us perspective on the problems. And that fuels our passion to keep pushing through. And that releases new possibilities from heaven. And that propels us into new God adventures. Surely it's like God saying, the God who can provide a CD-ROM writer can do far, far more than you could ever ask or imagine. There are so many other prayer stories I could share with you. Divine, incredible interrupt moments and things that have seen and taken years and, and prayers that I've been praying for for years, if not more than a decade and have still not yet answered. I love what my good friend Pete Gilbert says. He says, sometimes God takes years to do something in seconds. That sense you're praying and you're praying and you're praying. In Revelation 5, there's this beautiful picture that our prayers, our prayers of petition are like incense collected in a bowl before heaven. And I, and every time we pray into a specific need, I just always believe prophetically that that incense bowl is filling up with our prayers. And as we persist, maybe some things need bigger incense bowls because they're they need bigger miracles and some are smaller. But as we pray and the incense bowl is filled up, as we do that, there comes a point when the overflow of that incense from heaven to earth and sometimes God takes years to do something in seconds. Well, I pray that for you. You know, I, I, I pray that you would cultivate a passionate petitioning prayer life. I definitely do. And I pray that right now, if, if you are contending with something, whether it's been for hours, for days, for months, for weeks, for years, for decades, don't give up. Keep praying keep petitioning. God is for you. God is with you. God give you perspective. God give you passion. God release possibilities. God propel you into great adventures as you keep on keeping on with him. And so God bless you. God work miracles in you. May you feel his love and compassion for you today as you press in in prayer. Thanks. This has been Matt. Big love.